0: Front Porch Radio presents Circle Unbroken with Taft Airs.
1: Welcome in. Welcome in. Good day today. We're joined here on Circle Unbroken. I'm your host, Taft Ayers, and I've got my man, delt Kennedy, helping us run things today. Welcome in, delt Oh, my
2: man. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for welcoming me. I'm glad to be here with you.
1: It is a good day. know. I try to tell our audience all the time, I usually use words like, hey, it's a great day to be alive. We're glad that we have found you and that you have found us, because that's been a really neat push for me with Circle Unbroken. Recently, I was at a local establishment, and I'll pretend like it's not the one that my family owns, and I was at this local establishment. I was
2: eating. That's a a great place out there. It's a fun
1: place. Tell me the name again. It's called Deep Roots. All right. And you know the history. Known as Bam's Corral. Right. License. You know you know the history of the joint. And if we start looking at profit margins, we may need to go to like Bam's Corral model and see if we can make some more money, Delk. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> so I'm in there, and there is a local president of the university. Uh, he was here. He was speaking at the academy across the street, and then he was going to speak at a local church that night. And there was a lady with him that was his... Area representative, basically a donor rep or business development lady for Nashville for this university. And she comes up to me and she says, hey, you're, you're Taft Ayers with Circle and Broken. Well, I looked around. And I looked around and thought, okay, somebody's messing with me. Uh, somebody has put her up to this. Somebody has told her to do this piece. And she said, no, I listened to one of your episodes with, with Dr. Tiller on it, and I've, I've listened ever since, and I'm excited about what you guys are doing. And that kind of stuff with with local radio, with the podcast world. This is a woman that lives in Brentwood works with a university out of West Tennessee, but to know about Front Porch Radio and what we're doing, number one, it's validating. But number two, it's also something where you say, I want to continue to put out content. I want to continue to put out better content for people when you know that somebody is listening at the university level, somebody is listening from a professional development level. And it was just, Delk, let me tell you this. It was very heartfelt talking to her. And and that's one of the things that I want to talk about today is the difference in talking to somebody that's very heartfelt as opposed to talking to somebody that's scripted. That's going to be our message today. Sometimes we wind up talking to somebody and you can just tell that they're reading from a script. Now, as we start the program today, here's what I want everybody to know. I'm not beaten up being prepared. And I'm not making fun of people that have notes that, that they that they talk from and that they read from. But sometimes, if we're not careful, we can get married to that script,
2: married to the notes. Don't you think? I do, I do. And as a old trial lawyer, I, that's uh, you know, as you're when you're a young lawyer, you got to write a script. Uh, but over time, experience teaches you to react to your listener, whether that be a jury or just a neighbor. And to be uh, to have a message, perhaps, depending on the context, of course, with a jury, you've got to have a message. But you, you learn to get your head out of that script and look at that jury. Learn, learn what they're telling you, whether they're smiling, they're frowning, whether they're engaged, whether they're nodding their head. Uh, it's important.
1: Right. And, and so tell me this, Del. You would So you would go into trial, and this is going to be fun, this is going to be gold for our audience. You would go into trial, and you would have a script that you took how long to prepare? Oh, in the early days? Mm-hmm. Uh, long time, hours. Right. You know? Okay. So lots of hours, an idea of, hey, this is where we're going to go, this is what I want to say, I don't want to appear canned. But I want to make sure that I cover this point, or or go go this direction. But tell me some things that maybe threw you. We're gonna have some fun with this. What were some things that could potentially throw somebody in your position off script, or or may or make you veer?
2: Well, I, I think that's two different questions. Uh, getting thrown off script, uh, as I matured as a trial lawyer, that I think that rarely happened. Uh, Making me veer. Mm-hmm. Now that did happen, uh, you know. And again, that's part of learning to uh, interact with a witness. And and let's face it, I mean, interaction with a witness on a stand is no different than you and I interacting now. Sure. Uh, it's just interaction. And so, uh, you, you, you at the beginning, you know, I would have a list of 60 questions, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and as time went by, I would just list maybe three or four, at most, five major areas of discussion I would like to have with that witness instead of listing 60 questions. Right. And as time went by, I quit even making the list of those five topics. I would just, I would use my fingers. I would have them in my head. So I guess that's what you're getting at. Yeah, Uh, yeah. You have to to start somewhat with a script, but as we mature, we learn to... uh, listen much better and get off script.
1: I think so. I've got a preaching buddy. I've, I've known him for years, and we we both went to the same school, and we both started preaching what I called those rookie sermons. The sermons that I'm glad are not streamed today, so my kids can't find them. Some of them were rough, and some of the things that I said, some of the hills that I chose to die on when I was given these orations, some of them dealt flat out. They were just bad, and I know some of our listening audience who's known me for a long time will know, oh yeah, you preached some doozies back in the day day but I had this buddy I'm sure they were good that, I that, that that's see well, I needed generous people like that in the church I'm sure they were good but I had this buddy who I was known as being pretty off the cuff I could I could read a room I could say something and do something based on what everybody looked like and then I had another buddy this one I'm talking about he was the cream of the crop when it came to our studies in school. He, if I borrowed his notes from something, I'm talking his handwriting looked like a font. It looked like his own font, just the way that it looked, the way that he was prepared. He was really good. And he would always tell me, Taft, I wish I could be like you, the ability to just talk and and to be able to read somebody and speak. And I would tell him, man, I wish I was like you with the way in which you prepare with the way in which you have this method that is just down. Well, it all came to fruition one day when I was having him come over and speak. And we were doing a big community outreach in Memphis where it was a church service, but it was also going to be a time that we fed everybody and a time that we assess needs from the community. So you had the internal aspect of Praise and worship, but then you also had an external aspect of we've got this for your kids, we've got this for your teenager, and for the adults in the community that decided to come. If it was a, what I would call a standard family, I would ask them, hey, do you guys have a church home? Are you looking for one? I'll tell you about this place. If it was a family that had some benevolent needs, Like, cause you catch all kinds of folks, right? They had some benevolent needs. Hey, let me introduce you to this deacon who helps with electric bills. Let me introduce you to this deacon and he helps with our food pantry, whatever it might be. Well, that day we got overwhelmed and we got overwhelmed with this floodgate of people that needed to come in and, and and be assisted. So I had to turn and take care of the church service that was happening simultaneously So I had to go to my buddy who was there to speak for me and say this, Hey, our feeding is going to take a lot longer. The assessment is going to take longer. I need you to speak right, right in here. He was slotted to speak for 40 minutes. And I said, Hey, I need you to try to go closer to an hour. If you can go closer to an hour, that'll be great. Well, Delk, for me, if you ask me to do that, no problem. I mean, that's fine. We'll, I'll I'll do some Q and a, some discussion. We'll fill up your hour that's fine. My buddy, one of the best guys I know, looked at me like a deer in the headlights. And he is a well-equipped, eloquent speaker. And he looked at me and he said, Taft, I can't. And I said, you you can't? Like, you won't? Like, like, tell me what you mean. Do I need to bring in a song leader? Like, what do I need to do? And he said, man, I'm to the second on my notes. He said, I'm to the second on my notes where I could give you 20 extra minutes if... I had had an extra day to prepare for it. And that was something that happened in that moment where we, we got creative. I came up with some way to fill up the time. And that was such a foreign concept to me. So he and I not thinking that one way was better than the other. He and I went to dinner afterwards that night. And I said, man, I didn't know that you were so scripted. I didn't know that it was like down to the second. And I wasn't trying to be insulting. Well, Oh, another person that was with us who was the outsider looking in said, let me tell you what Taft means to say here. What he means to say is, wow, you're so prepared. Like he, he was he was kind of like that mediator standing in here. And I told him, I said, man, you you are so thought out and so planned that you couldn't wing an extra 20 minutes. I said, I get that. I'm sorry if that stressed you out. And he looked at me and he said, Taft, I'm sorry if you felt like I failed you. And so we were in this little apology circle where everything was fine. But my buddy who was in the middle said this, Taft, how many times have you ever spoken somewhere before and you said something, whether or not it was to a school, a business, or a church, and you had to walk it back? And I, I hated that question because at that point, Delk, I'm young, 20s, and I was in a pretty conservative church environment. And I said more times than I would like to admit. They said, have you ever had meetings about stuff that you said? And I said, Oh, absolutely. But if I, if it's a good sermon, I usually have a meeting because it's, it's, I think it's really good and worth saying. And then somebody afterwards says now Taft, Mr. Mr. Kennedy or Mr. Harris sitting in the back row, he was offended by such and such. So I, I would have to entertain those things sometimes. And he looked at my buddy who's super prepared and he said, "Superscripted." and he said, "How many times have you ever had to walk anything back?" And he said, "None. You see, the script is important. The, the script is important. What I want our listeners to know is it's important to know what you're going to say, to be prepared, to be studied, to be thorough, but then also you want to have a flexibility where you can be somebody who, as Delk mentioned earlier, reads the room, looks at the jury, sees the congregation, knows the sales meeting, what it's like. Sometimes somebody's maybe tried to sell you something, and they tried to sell you something, and when they tried to come in and sell you something, you thought, this person is tone deaf. This person hasn't read the room, hasn't, hasn't read the needs. When we go out representing Kennedy Broadcasting, we want to make sure that, that we can read a situation, know a situation, and not just stick to some sales script. Not just stick to something that says, well, you need to do X, Y, and Z so that this transaction can be complete at the end of the day. You want to make sure that you talk to people and, and read people. And so what I want people to know is that there is, there is merit, there's value in being scripted, but there's also a danger and there's also a caution that everyone needs to hear when you cannot break free of that, when you cannot have the humanity and the warmth in your talk to people. And I think it's something today. If we look at business, if we look at churches, if we look in the community, I think there are people that they have their talking points, but if you get them off of the talking point, they almost have a deer in the headlights look. And maybe Delk in the station here, you might've seen that before with different guests where if you threw them off, they didn't know what to do and you kind of had to rein it back in. Maybe it's a little bit of human nature. What do you think?
2: Taft, I don't know. Um, I do think that, uh, you know, people say to themselves, you know, I, I don't know how to read a room. I, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. poor at interacting with a witness, a sales prospect, uh, a congregation, whatever. I just, I can't do that. Yes, you can. Uh, but, you know, you, you start when you're young, but, by, by, you know, you you rely on the script. But anybody can start with a script and then learn to be... More interactive. Uh, And so I moved away from a script or a list of questions for a witness to getting my head up and looking at the witness. Right. And not ever looking back down at whatever notes that I had or not even having any notes at all. Because in that way I could engage with the witness, uh, hear what they're saying, uh, ascertain what they're thinking, watch their facial expressions. But anybody can do this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean if, if you're in a place in life that's what you want to do whether it be in a church setting whether you're a lawyer or whether you're in sales or whether you're just trying to talk with your family you know uh, this is an acquired talent it's not a natural talent I've, I've never seen anybody with a natural talent you can do it you just have to just have to practice.
1: Right. And that's what life is, and that's what we try to speak to on Circle Unbroken is every day that you wake up, you get another opportunity. Think about that. Every day that you wake up, you get another run at it. The Bible says that his mercies, I love this verse, it's from Lamentations chapter 3, and whether or not you know your Bible and you know all the verses or you're somebody that says, ah, that's, that's a good book that so-and-so likes, we'll all agree on this. Lamentations 3 says that his mercies are new every morning. And when you think about that, what it means is that every day that I wake up, I get to go again. Every day that I wake up, it's a gift. And my wife tells me that. We, we laugh about this. I wake up in the morning. You know what she says to me? Well, we made it. And I always <laughs> joke with her and say, shouldn't we shouldn't we say that at night? You know. But every morning, it's this idea of we get to try again. We get to go again. And that goes hand in hand, Delk, with what you're saying, is that you, you get practice, you get reps, you get an opportunity uh, to do this, to, to warm up to people, to learn people, to know people. I believe fully that people are placed into your orbit or into your rhythm and your daily life. Somebody comes into your life, maybe it's for a season, maybe it's more of a permanent basis, but when they do, I believe that it's an opportunity for you to learn them for you to, if we use the trial lawyer idea, if, if Dilk has all of his things ready to go in and to present and he's ready to go and talk and he's got a way that he's going to go, as he matures and he grows in his career, he says, and if this happens, I'm going to go this way. And if they say this, I'm going to go this way. And so it's not throwing you off, as you mentioned, but it's, hey, this is the appropriate veer. This is where I need to steer it this way and do that. And Delk, I've noticed you took that from the courtroom and now you're able to do that when you're talking to a client here. You're able to do that when you're in a conversation with somebody. Not that you're a magician or a wizard or you're trying to pull the wool over somebody's eyes, but you know how to navigate and to move in a conversation. So it's a skill that, as you said, you're not born with it per se, but you can craft it over time
2: yeah yeah you just you just have to engage mm-hmm. no and and again though, I think many people think oh I'm poor at interacting with other people. I'm poor at conveying a religious message in Sunday school, perhaps, or mm-hmm. I'm poor at uh you know just talking unscripted perhaps with other people. Mm-hmm. You can all you've got to do is try and engage, and i I don't think I've ever seen a natural at all that, sure. Uh, so they, it, it's something that you do, you practice, and it has rewards no matter whether you're just trying to get the Christmas play going or, right, or uh, <laughs> trying to make a sale or yes. trying a lawsuit. Yes. You know.
1: I, and I tell people all the time, it's church space, business space, community, everyday life, where everybody, even if they don't want to admit it, everybody is in marketing. And when I say this, well, what I mean by that is, you're always trying to convince somebody of something. You're always trying to present maybe a certain image to somebody or let somebody know something. Before we go to break here, I, I want you to know tonight I have the honor of I'm judging uh, through the Rotary Club. I'm judging some of the 4-H speeches here. Well, in that'll town. be great fun. And man, I can't wait. And let, let me tell the audience this: the reason that I can't wait is because I know how these young people have prepared. I know that right now as we're recording a show, they're going through it in their head. I mean, they're they're going through wherever they are right now. This is my speech tonight and I've made it to this round and I want to go to the next round. And the kid that gets in there and has like, and I'm picturing young Delk trial lawyer here, the kid that has his notes and she might be ready to go. And then they decide to look up at the right time. Maybe and, but and to say at, at the that right age time. you
2: would expect them to
1: be right. scripted and that, that's where they're they're just beginning and those are the ones that are going to stand out is yeah. the ones that have they've got their script down yeah. but they're able to insert just a little humanity into it. I man, I can't wait. It's something that anytime somebody asks me to do something, I will always I'll check my work calendar and I'll check my home calendar. And I went to my wife and I said, hey, there's an opportunity for me to judge this. And she said, oh, you're gonna do that. I know you. We'll be back. Circle unbroken.
2: Season's greetings, Columbia. This is Mayor Chaz Mulder wishing you a joyous and festive holiday season on behalf of all of us at the City of Columbia. As we wrap up another remarkable year, let's come together in the true spirit of Christmas to celebrate family, community, and compassion for one another as we share kindness and goodwill with others. May your holiday be filled with warmth, laughter, and the joy of togetherness. From my family to yours, Merry Christmas, Columbia.
0: Join Center of Hope for the annual New Year's Eve Mule Drop in downtown Columbia. It all starts at 8 p.m. with the amazing Emerald Empire Band. Food trucks, a beer garden, axe throwing, and a cigar lounge will all be there. Hourly countdowns and toasts will lead up to the Mule Drop at midnight. The Mule Drop is free and family-friendly. Presented by Center of Hope. Sponsored by Experience Murray and Baxter Management. No live mules will be used at this event.
2: This is Coach Trader's golf from Columbia Central High School football. You are listening to 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee.
1: We are back here on circle unbroken as previously mentioned i'm your host taft ayers and when we play that johnny cash song and it gets to rocking i've made this joke man probably since we first started uh recording this show there's there's nothing like interrupting johnny cash and company coming in man. nothing makes me feel more manly i don't get to interrupt a lot of people at my house but like i said i'm taft ayers joined in by the man the myth the legend <laughs> Del Kennedy welcome in sir well thank you It's, (laughs) it's a it's truly a pleasure to be on with you I love it man there is not a day that I wake up ever since coming to Kennedy Broadcasting where I come in here and I look around and as for people that don't know we're right here on historic and beautiful West 7th Street and I get to be right in the middle of as I mentioned earlier the rhythm and the orbit of my family there are so many things that are, that are happening here. And I grew up, I'm going to tell our listening audience this, I grew up knowing a lot about Columbia, dot, 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 I thought. And then I've gotten to meet more and more people who, who have told me more and more just about our town, about this area, and that, that's been really special for me. And I've learned as I've gotten older to try to grow where I'm planted, to to try to say, okay, here's where I am. Here's how I can make the community better. Here's how things can blossom and and improve. And, And I've just really felt that way here with Front Porch Radio, watching the things that happen around us. And as I've said before, one of my favorite spots that we run is where you're giving what I call the Kennedy Mission Statement. you're talking about what we're going to be here at Front Porch Radio and who we're aiming to serve. And the reason that it's my favorite spot, probably for me, is because it's very selfish. It's hand in hand for me with what we want to do with Circle and Broken. We want to have that idea of the churches nature, schools, community. And so I just want to, this isn't an hour of me to just kiss up to the station owner, but I want to thank you. Thank you and Mary Susan for the way in which you've invested in people, but also the ship that you run here, the way I want to phrase that you have said, Hey, if it's about the community, we're about it. And that means a lot to us as team members here. So I, I just want to say thanks, Delt, for well, that. Well,
2: Taft, I want to say thank you, and thanks to you and your wonderful family, and what a pleasure it's been getting to know you. And yes, I think you do truly uh, share and, and add this vision even before you came here that that uh, you are a member of this community, your family's a member of this community, and before you came to Kennedy Broadcasting, you and your family were working to make this community a better place. and. Um, I hope we can work together to do that right here at Kennedy Broadcasting. Yeah,
1: it's fun. It's, it's a neat thing. It's fun for me to, to hear more. Um, there's some people. We're hosting a Christmas party coming up soon for my wife's work. And a lot of them were, were talking to her, and they, they were asking her a couple of questions. And they said, what does your husband do? And she said, oh, I don't have time to answer that question. He, he does a little bit of everything. And then she started talking about the radio. And it was neat to hear them say, yeah, 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 I know that show, or yeah, yeah, I know that station, or I listen to them for this or that. And so they got into a conversation. And then somebody overheard it. And this is a text that I've been meaning to share for a long time. And if you're just now learning about our show, if you're just now learning about Kennedy Broadcasting or maybe Front Porch Radio and what all it is that we do, I got this text message from from another guy who's connected to our family and also in this work conversation. And he told me this. He said, My brother-in-law recently just randomly asked me if I listen to Columbia Radio. He says... I like that Taft dude who's real positive. I like Tony Basilio from Knoxville and Draken Sports, who always finds a way to work in Alabama. And it was just, it was a really funny thing that, you know, radio and maybe podcast or anything from the audio format, it gets into our subconscious a lot where we hear it and, and we see it and it's it's around us a lot. And what we do here. I hear will have people tell me all the time. They'll say, oh, I listen to radio. My favorite people are the ones that tell me, I don't ever listen. And then I can say something from Radio Land, or I can say something and it'll resonate with them. and say, how'd you know that? Because that was on in your car. How'd you know that? Because that, that jingle or whatever was, was in your place there. And that's been something that we have tried to communicate here through this format is that, Everybody is in a different season of life. Everybody is in a different rhythm or a different place. But there's a lot more coming into your ears than you realize. There's a lot more that makes it in. And good marketing, kind of like good makeup on, on the right person, is the kind that happens and you don't even realize it. That The kind that takes place, you know, ooh, that message did get to me. Or ooh, that, that I was able to, to witness this or to absorb this. And that goes back to our message and our subject that we're using today on today's episode of Circle and Broken. <laughs> today, we are talking about being scripted and the times in your life that you are scripted with something to say, but some of the best scripts, I believe, are the kind of scripts that are there that people don't even know. They're the kind of scripts that are there that, that people don't even realize because they've got it down. They've, they've learned it so much. We had a linebacker on our high school football team. And I'm talking meathead. Uh, He's the typical guy that if you're going to an alley, you would say, hey, Nate, come with me. I mean, the the guy you want. And I'll never forget the day that he told us. He said, man, I've been I've been cheating my way through biology. And I said, Nate, man, I said, "Dude, if you get busted cheating, then this is going to happen and this is going to happen. He said, yeah, he goes, I've been cheating so much. I've gotten pretty good at it. And so then at this point, I said, "Okay, teach me your ways, oh master. How how are you doing this? And he said, well, I had this trick that I did at first where she would tell us, you have five minutes to read your book before it was time to take the test. He goes, so we would read the book. Well, then when she tells us to put the books up, everybody would slam their books down. Well, I would just take my book and I would place it in the cage underneath my, my desk. Back in that day, we had those little baskets underneath. And he said, I'm so big that I can spread my legs out here. And if I push it towards the front, I can see in the book when I look down like this. So it doesn't look like I'm looking. But if I look down, I can see the top of the book there. It has the answers to the review. And he said, then that got a little hard that got a little hard, so I went to this little sheet, and I made this little sheet, and I would wear a big hoodie, and I would have this big hoodie, and then I would have this little sheet right here, man. And he goes, and on the sheet, I could slide it out, and it would have all the little things that I needed to remember, and then Nate told me this, Delk. He goes, and then that got a little hard, so that got a little hard, so then I came up with this idea of, I try to fit it all on the sheet. What if I took all the little bullet points of that, and I just remembered the bullet points, and if I would remember the bullet points, I wouldn't have to look at it, but I could cheat because I've got these bullet points. And I said, Nate, let me stop you. Where'd you put those bullet points? And he said, well, in my head. And I go, that's called studying. <laughs> like, I said, Nate, you're not, you're not cheating anymore, man. Like, like what you have done now is you have now gotten to the point where you said, hey, I've got this. I've put it in my head here where nobody else can find it. And I was laughing so hard because that's the art of having a script. Of having something in your mind where you've got it down and you say this, okay, I've got it, Delk, you mentioned your hand earlier, you know. Having right. having the points that you know here. There's something beautiful about being prepared, being scripted, knowing this is what I'm gonna say, this is what I'm gonna do, and then to the point where you are able to turn and say, and I've learned it so well that now I'm gonna sprinkle it. With this bit of humanity. I'm going to I'm gonna use this little story. I'm going to use this little bit. To kind of warm it up. To put meat on the bones. Of the skeleton there. And the reason we chose that subject today. Is because I fear. And I mean this. I fear that we live in a world. We've got the AI world. We've got the idea of people that are able to get all these different scripts. And notes and things. And sometimes I think we read off of those, or we rely on those to the point where it's just straight up nerve wracking. There is a story of a local bank and the local bank, it's called Fifth Third Bank. And there was somebody that was visiting that bank and they were having a customer service issue. And they were having a customer service issue and they were walking through and the person was really warm with them. Now, if you're listening to this and you are a banker, Or you work in the finance industry. We're not beating you up. This is just a story that relates right now. And this person visited there. They were having an issue. They were having a conversation. And at the end of the conversation, which was not going well for for the specific person that was visiting the bank, they looked at them and they said this, Sir, is is there anything else we can help you with? And they said, no, that'll be it. And there was frustration. There was doom and gloom. There was despair. And then they read off of their script and they said this, well, we hope that we've made your day a fifth third better. And the guy was going, abandon the script. Like at this point, it's not going well. You're you're saying that to me and you're really not thinking about what it is uh, that that you're supposed to be doing to help me. And I hear that story and I laugh. And I think sometimes the script can get in the way when it turns us into robots. This is something that I think is worth thinking about for everyone today because, man, let me say this over and over again. Be prepared. Be studious. Be studious. Be somebody that says, I am not just going to fly by the seat of my pants, but be somebody that says, I've put some thought into this. But remember this, people want a person. People do not want a robot. They do not want somebody that's just spouting something off back to them. They want warmth. They want to be met where they are. They want to be able to have a conversation that makes sense and that you can grow together in that conversation. And the best thing about Circle and Broken is this. Church, business, community, all different people in that circle need this assistance. We'll be back on Circle and Broken after the break.
2: Bringing the new year with Ruby Scroove at the Mule House in Columbia. Rubik Scroove is your premiere outside of the box 80s, 90s, and aughts tribute band. Featuring a high energy, character driven performance, you're not going to want to miss this one. Rock, pop, hip hop, characters, costumes, and videos. For tickets and more information, go to TheMuleHouse.com. That's TheMuleHouse.com. See you on New Year's Eve. Get ready for a shopping experience like no other at Old School Vapor. We carry a huge selection of disposables from Kato Bar, VHO, Raz, Lost Mary and Breeze. We've got it all. Enjoy a whopping 35% off your entire e-liquid purchase, 20% off everything else. Plus, discover the largest legal cannabis selection in the state. Along with a variety of Kratom, Kava and Glass products, check us out at OldSchoolVapor.com.
1: back to the last part here of today's episode of Circle Unbroken. I'm your host, Taft Ayers, joined in by Del Kennedy. Welcome back, sir. Hey, Taft Ayers.
2: Thanks for having me on.
1: It's been it's been a fun time today. We hope that when this finds you, we, we hope, and again, we don't want this to be lip service, but we hope that this finds you in a spot where you are feeling, number one, productive, Uh, number two, like you have the ability to inspire other people. We're all given that gift. We're all given the gift to inspire people with our presence. And we can decide whether or not we're going to be, I say this all the time, whether or not we're going to be life giving or life sucking. And when I say that there are people sometimes that will just bless you. They'll, they'll bless you by their presence, by the things that they say, maybe the way that they say it. And then there's other people that they walk in. And I've said this before, some, people have the ability to approach a room, and what I mean is they will walk into a room and they will sound like Eeyore. They, they will they will come in and they almost bring the gray with them. They walk in and you're like, hey, good day, good to see you. Hey, man, I'm, hey, how you doing? And I'll look at them and think, what's wrong? Like, what, what's the matter? Talk to me. Oh, nothing. And I'm going, what's, what's wrong? Like, like, let me know what the deal is with you today. And they'll say, well, I just don't really know what we're going to get done and what, what the purpose is going to be. And I got a kid that can trend that way sometimes. And what I do with that kid is I say this. Did you sleep indoors last night? Yes, sir. Are you eating food? Yes, sir. Well, guess what? You are rich. Congratulations. You are rich when when you look at this world. And so I like to mess with them a lot about that because I think, Delk, that it's all about perspective.
2: Don't you? Well, of course it is. Uh, Yeah. How how can I elaborate on that? I I mean, I, I think your point's well taken. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's something that I
1: think when when I have a child who goes and they say this, oh, I don't have anything to wear, and they say that when they're looking at a closet full of clothes, or they stand in front of our pantry and it's this, I don't have anything to eat, and I'm going, dude, there, look, there's there's frozen bags of whatever. If if you search, you can find it. That means there's nothing I want. To Correct, eat and and I think I think we're that way. In life, a lot of times, I've said this before, there are many of us today, I had an episode recently called Be Careful What You Pray For, and I said many of us in life find ourselves complaining about maybe, for instance, the salary that we have now or the pay that you have now. And if you're listening to me right now and this sounds familiar, it's worth saying again, some of us, some of you are right now making the money that you prayed you would make. You're, you're broke right now on the salary that for years you said, if I can only get that, I will, right? And so I, I think perspective is an important thing for us to remember. And today's episode, today's show has been about the power of being intentional, of being meaningful, of speaking to people, not like where it's just canned, but talking to people where you can say, hey, I feel you, I'm reading you, I'm into this conversation. Sometimes we get so transactional. Sometimes we get so mechanical and robotic in our conversations. And I think that's something that people are missing today. I hear people talk all the time about how we need to get off our phones, how we need to put down our devices and how we need to look at each other and talk to each other. And while I fundamentally agree with that, My question is this, do you know how? When you are face-to-face with somebody, do you know how to talk to them and to be warm with them? My daughter was playing in a game last night, Del, basketball game out at Grace Christian. Fun game, good game. And she was getting, this this is awesome, she was getting murdered in the paint. I mean, she was getting hacked and fouled and almost blood drawn, it felt like. And we were screaming, oh, she's she's fouled and oh, this is bad and oh, you need to call the foul. Well, then guess what? Delk, they finally blew the whistle. And when they finally blew the whistle, she went to the free throw line. She goes to the free throw line and I looked at my wife and I said, well, this is what we've been complaining about all night. We've been complaining about her getting fouled and this happened. She went to the free throw line, and she missed both free throws. And I said, we better be careful. Over here screaming about she needs to get to the free throw line, and now she didn't hit the free throws. And my wife said, perfect wife response here, honey, she didn't make them because she's so tired from being fouled all night. <laughs> and I said, oh, that's a good response. My point on that illustration is this. Some of us say put the phones down. Some of us say we need to get back to having conversations where I wonder and I fear, if you just take all those phones away, will people look like a fish out of water? Will people look like they know how to talk and to speak? And here's the answer. You won't know until you try. You won't know until you actually get face to face because there's no better way to see eye to eye than by meeting face-to-face. And I think in a world full of emails, in a world full of text messages, which are all fine tools, there is an art to that in-person, knee-to-knee approach of working with each other, talking to each other, and not feeling so scripted. Sometimes we are guilty, and if we're being fully honest, sometimes we are guilty of sticking to a script so much that there's no humanity in the transaction. And I remember, I beat people up about this, but I remember my first job. My first job, this was outside of going and mowing yards and stuff like that. I was working at H.G. Hill food stores in Nashville over in Green Hills. And I'm working at this food store and my whole goal working at this job was to be efficient. I wanted to stack your groceries just right so that the bag didn't break later and you cuss out the boy that stacked your groceries wrong. I wanted to be fast. I didn't want you to have a delay. I wanted to get you to your car so that we could stack your bag in your car. And then maybe at the end of the transaction, you would like me so much that you gave me a $1 bill or a $5 bill and I was the best grocery worker ever. So I thought I got so good at talking to the people at the grocery store, that I had it down to this. We're swiping your groceries. We're putting them in the bag. Hello, good to see you. Oh, that's great. And I could do it just right. I could do it perfectly. I had those lines down just right until the day that a woman came through and I said, hello. She said, hey, 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 how are you? I said, I'm good. I said, it's good to see you today. And then I, I messed up my script and I said this. How are you? And when I said, how are you? I'm smiling from ear to ear. I'm bagging your groceries. My whole goal was to make me wish you were, that I was your son. You know, Great transaction. Well, it turns out, Delk, on the other side of things, the woman said this. I'm not doing good. I had this report at the doctor. I've got this kid that I've got to pick up from school. Right. I was so scripted. Do you know what I said? Oh, that's great. Like, I was not listening to the woman. I was just, oh, yeah, how are you? Oh, oh that's great. I was waiting just say that's great. That's pathetic. Well, that, that's
2: not human, Dale. Taft, you've reminded me of a case I tried as a young lawyer. Uh, and y- you have to take people where they are, and you have to listen. And I, I was experienced enough by the time, that I'd been practicing law for seven or eight years. This was back in the 80s. A lady came in from the country and wanted a divorce. And said, you know, George is just not being good to me anymore. He's been drinking, that kind of thing. Mm. And she had thirteen children, and so we. It, the time came for a hearing in front of the judge, right here in the Murray County Courthouse, and she brought her thirteen children in, and she put them on the front row there in the courtroom, lined them up from tallest to smallest, <laughs> left to right, and so I, I and I started the script. Sure, you know how long you've been married, how many children do you have, can you tell the judge why it's your opinion this marriage can't continue, you know the script right. And then so and so <laughs> she, she tells me why this marriage she tells the judge you know why she thought the marriage couldn't continue and then she looks up at her children and there's a, a red-headed boy sitting right in the middle of the tallest to the smallest. And she looks up to her, at her children. and She says, "And I've been good to George all these years. And I've really been good. We've got these thirteen children, and said every one of them except that red-headed one in the middle is George's. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to, you know, so I'm her advocate. And so, you know, I in that instant I had to realize that that was her truth, and she was proud of that. Right. And so, I I was able to." you know, to assist her in making the judge understand what she was saying. Right, right. And uh, so there you go. You got a script. Sometimes right. <laughs> sometime you got to abandon the script sure. and, uh, and, and, and listen to the person who is talking to you right. or listening to you or whatever.
1: It's the best way, Delk. I love, I love the warmth in that story because it's the best way to be an advocate. The, the best way that I can stand up for somebody, stand in for somebody, is to be able to have this flexibility, the ability to pivot, the ability to listen, and to be able to work through a situation that way. One, one of the most beautiful things, and I, I'm going to give a Theology 101 piece for our audience here, one of the most beautiful things about the Christian faith, no matter what flavor, brand, or sect you're a part of, is the fact that when people talk about Jesus as a savior, that's not just a Christmas word. Jesus as a savior, the concept of that life was this, that he stands in our place. Not that he stood in our place one time, but that he stands in our place every day. Like There's hope uh, through him and through who he was and through who he is. Well, the ability to do that, people call that an advocate. He's an advocate for us who stands in our way. In the courts, we know what an advocate does. We know that it's the ability to stand in, the ability to be a voice for somebody that doesn't have a a voice or speak for somebody that's not able to speak. But you can't do that if you're scripted. You can't do that if you're only scripted because here's what has to happen. You've got to feel the situation. You have to look at it. You have to see it. I love what you said, Delk. That was her truth, and I had to help the judge see that but i couldn't do it if she didn't open up the window she didn't let you know and you mentioned this earlier we we practice it we craft it it's not just this naturally born thing but when you read a room you see people are going to give you something people are going to give you a piece and you've got to be willing to jump in on that side delk you like to fish i love to fish fishing here, here's what I heard. After I finished Fried Hardman, after I went to college, I fished my way through college and some of my grades weren't what they should have been because of my love for fishing.
0: Then there, I get there
1: through. are worse there are <laughs> worse right. things to be doing. That's text. right.
2: There are but many worse things
1: to be I doing. I was I was so frustrated though after I got through college and the new class of people that were there started telling me that they started offering a fishing course. And I said, man, my GPA would have been helped if there had been a fishing course where I could get grades to go and fish. And when I think about the concept of going to fish and I think about the process of it, fishing for me has been something where if I could just get somebody to wet a line with me, if I could get just somebody to go out with me, a lot of times it wasn't about the fishing. But if I could get them to break From the world that we live in to get out, to sit on a dock, to stand on the edge and to fish with me, we would find some common ground. We would find something that we could talk about. Well, I knew how much I loved that. And then I started taking that into different homes that I was in and businesses that I was in. Some of my favorite businesses now are businesses where I go to and maybe I'm trying to, whether or not it's a sales call or a presentation, if I see a picture in his or her office and it's a fishing picture. If I see something in the office, if I see something on the coffee table that relates to somebody who likes to fish, or there's a core memory that has to do with fishing. Oh, it's an end for me. And it's not a forced end. It's a, you like to fish and we can talk about it instantly. You start to look for common ground with people and you can warm up. You can do that. And I, and I wish more of us, would go off script in that way look for common ground look for these things sometimes i'm afraid if you're like me that we have misplaced passion and here's what i mean when i tell you this folks i feel like sometimes the things that we choose to get passionate about the things that we choose you ready for this to fight about the hills that we die on the arguments that we take up Don't get me wrong. There are some causes that are worth it. There are some causes that matter so much that people need an advocate or people need a voice. But there's also a really good chance that some of the people that you're arguing with, some of the people that you're opposing, some of the people that you're fighting against, that there's a common ground right there, right in front of you, that you might not see and it might take you getting off script To find their truth so that you can tell other people about them. Also, final thought today, if you are in business, if you are in business and you are involved in doing something where there's this script and there's this way and there's a method and there's a manual, those things are not intrinsically bad, but they can be a hindrance when you are not allowed to put a little bit of you into the transaction Because here's what I want you to know. People don't buy your product. People buy you. They buy the interaction. They buy the experience. They buy the level of care that you are able to give them. Maybe today it's an opportunity for you to evaluate the script, to look at the things that you have said, to look at the things that are there. And maybe, maybe today you can step away from that just a little bit As Delk said earlier, to veer in the right way.